Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, hey, how y'all doing? I love front row people. I love our front row people. Thank you all very much. Can I just go on record? I love our church. Okay, wow. Okay, now you know. See, that was an applause line and y'all totally missed it. You straggled in late like you're sleepy. This is why I am so loud and obnoxious around our church on Sunday mornings. This is why I mess with you. This is why I push you. This is why I get you in a headlock. It is to wake you up so that when we go on the internet, which I'm editing all this out right now because y'all blew it. When we upload to the internet, you won't miss applause lines. Okay, so let's try it again. Here we go. Cameras, hold up. Not yet. We're setting an edit. Now, here we go. I love our church. So, like so much better. And when I say that, I hope none of you misread that to think that I'm talking about our campus, our location, or our buildings. Now, I love our location. I think it was God-given. I really do. And uh, I love our campus. I think our property is beautiful. And I love our buildings. I mean, the facilities we have for all ages is just amazing. We are very blessed people. I mean, when you think about it, these are some of the nicest church facilities in campus on the western side of Colorado. I mean, you can go almost all the way to Denver before you find something nice is what God gave us here in Grand Junction. Go north, go south. Go as far into Utah as you wish. And you, yeah, and you will not find, come on, church facilities like what God gave us. But I'm not talking about our church facilities. I'm thankful for them. So I guess I'm talking about you. I love you. Well, let me, to stay with this, I love us. I love doing life together. I, I was just down in, in, in um, uh, where was I? Fort Worth, Texas, and I was speaking for a church down there I think last week, the week before that. And um, I was telling them how much I love you guys and how the men in our church, they just feel like brothers. We love each other. We got each other's back. There's so much admiration we have for each other and so much respect we have for each other. You know, providing for our family on the Western Slope, having to have one or two different income streams to be able to make it happen. The expenses of, of living here, buying a house and, and, uh, and paying for things here. I mean, it, it's expensive to live in Colorado as opposed to, say, Florida, Texas, some of the other states down south. But, but we had to work harder to make it happen. And I, and I have a lot of admiration for you for that. I mean, I really, really do. And, and I was bragging on you guys, and I was bragging on you women. I know I don't do it to your face very often, but I was telling them how the women of our church feel like sisters to me. They really do, I, and, I, and I just love them so much. Aggravating sisters, but they feel like sisters. <laughs> they really do, and I just love you guys so much, and, and I love doing life with you. But we're not just about hanging out. We're not just about playing golf. We're not just about getting a burger or a dog here in a little bit. Uh, we're about something more than that. 
So, so this question on the subtitle, what are we doing here? I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, we all have cliques in our life. We all have people in our life, friends, relatives. We all have folks that we can hang out with, people that we can do, you know, July 4th. I mean, we all have that. So what, what are the people of Fellowship Church doing here? Well, in case you don't know, first and foremost, we are here so that your friends and family members might be saved. Yeah. I mean, if you miss that, because we do have a lot of things going on, and we do have a lot of uh, stuff on the website. We do have a lot of stuff on Facebook that you can get connected. You see, I mean, there's a lot of things happening. If you're not careful, you think, well, we're about that. Fellowship Church, okay, we're just about hanging out, fellowshipping, whatever that is. We just do it. No. Man, we are first and foremost about your friends and your family members coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is absolutely nothing more important to that. Well, we want your marriage to be good. Great. We want your business to be good. Great. We want you to financially be blessed. Yes, we do. We want you to progress and we want you to move forward and we want things in your life to be better and we want addictions broken off of you. Yes. But if you gain everything else, if all we do is build houses for Habitat for Humanity, if all we do is just give out food, if all we do is just go on mission trips and, and, and to be able to do something nice for a person, but yet we are forgetting about that person's eternal destination. We have done them a misjustice. If we have people that come to our church and, 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 we, and, and, and like many other churches, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but there are many churches that they do church week after week after week and nobody gets saved. Nobody is baptized. So they cannot be, according to the Bible, a definition of a New Testament church. Because we are, first and foremost, a salvation station to those that don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because if we can make your life a little better, oh, let's just say this, we make it a lot better. Take a look at this person on the side screen that says this in Matthew. Look what it says. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Guys, everything we do here has an agenda. Let me give you a little behind the scenes stuff. We, uh, we start our Monday mornings early. Our lead pastor meets with all the staff and I think we have somewhere around 30. And we talk a little bit about what happened. We talk about you guys a lot, by the way. So any conversation that goes on in the lobby or anything in the parking lot, anything you guys say to us or tell us a story or things that's going on in your life or somebody gets a new job or here's a new couple that's in the church that I just met that are really cool, we'll talk about you on Monday. And we'll say, hey, by the way, so-and-so said that they had an issue. So-and-so's grandbaby might be ill. We need to talk about that, pray about that. I mean, we do. And we talk about you a lot and we pray for you, woo, a lot. And then we go into a meeting at 9.15. And in that meeting, we have Amanda, our worship pastor. We have our associate worship pastor, Julie. We got Julie in that meeting. We got Ryan, we call him Rabbit. He's the one that runs all the technical in here. He's over our internet. And uh, anything that has to do with being smart, Ryan's the guy that's over that. He's over all the computers, all the tech stuff, all the graphics, everything you see rolling on the side screen, that's Ryan. Ryan is smarter than most people that I know. He really is. He's smarter than most people. I know. He, is a, he is so sweet. He is so humble. Ryan's in the meeting. He's also a musician, plays drums. 
And then we have, well, we have Daniel Waite. Daniel Waite will stop in. He's one of our worship guys up here. Tall, blonde-headed guy, muscular-looking dude. Uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, Hunter. You know, he's always, you know, wanted to be like me. So he's trying really hard to, <laughs> uh, he's working on it. And then we have our executive pastor, Tim Roseberry, in the meeting. We have no idea why he's in there, but we have good coffee and stuff. So he comes in there, sits at the head of the table like he's running things, but he's really not. So we have, we have Tim in there and then myself. And every Monday morning at 9.15, we gather in that room. Now, we've already received direction from our lead pastor. He has already said we're going to be heading into a series. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit's downloaded to me to be able to get for our church family. And so we'll bring creative minds around the table. And we talk about everything that's going to happen minute by minute in this service on Sunday. Every song that's going to be sung, every person who is going to speak, the Fellowship Five that you see uploaded for you every Sunday morning. We talk about how we're going to address our visitors, how we're going to address our guests. We want to make sure, and this is what we talk about, that on Sunday mornings when our people bring their lost friends, family members, loved ones, and coworkers, that we don't do anything or say anything in that service that might turn them off. We talk about how we're going to address this, how we're going to worship expressively, but at the same time, we're going to be able to give them just kind of an out. We talk about the fact that when we take the offering, let's give a disclaimer that we're not asking from them. We're not, that we're not asking them to join into that, that they can come and be our guest and, and not, not feel like they're obligated to give or make them feel awkward or uncomfortable in any way or make them, you know, leave here going, yeah, that's what the church is all about. I thought that much. We, we want to take all that off the table for them. We want to be able to tell them when we're worshiping, when we're loving our Heavenly Father, you want to raise your hands, fine. You want to come down front, that's good. You want to stand up, you want to sit down, we do not care. We're just glad you're in the room. And we're glad you're experiencing the atmosphere of worship. And you're seeing people who absolutely are just like you, fail every day, but we love our Heavenly Father with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And if all you do today is just experience that for the first time and see that church doesn't have to be, you know, like it was maybe when you were growing up and you walked away from it so many years ago, that that's okay. Every song is prayed over. Everything that's going to be said is, is prayed over. The music is in, given to all of our musicians that are on stage. They get it about noontime on Monday and they practice it on their own throughout the week. Then it is rehearsed on Tuesday night, I think. And then on Sunday morning early. The reason why we don't let you in here, we are going through every minute of everything that happens in this service so that we don't blow anything because it is that important. Because you know what we know? Lost people in the house. Lost people in the house. And there's absolutely nothing more important going on in this world than to see those lost people accept Christ as their personal savior. If, if you have a family member who is not saved, the most important thing that you can do for that family member is to win them to the Lord. Now, sometimes that's tough for a family member. So we say, hey, you know, tag, I'll come in the ring. Here comes Fellowship Church. Just get them in the room. That's all you got. We'll take it from there. It may take us a while. They may be hard-headed. You guys, you guys got family members that are tough. They're not easy. Am I right? So it may take us a while to break through some of that hardness. I promise you, God can get their attention. And when he does get their attention, they'll remember you bringing them here. They'll know where to go. 
That's why we pray all the time the prayer of salvation on a Sunday morning, so that people will get saved. I can't tell you that. Even your son, Scott, told me one time when we were out playing golf, and he was humiliating me on the golf course. He said it was in a church service on a Sunday morning. I prayed the prayer of salvation when you prayed it with the church, and that's how I know that I'm going to have a home forever in heaven. Your son told me that. That's why we don't miss. So just in case anybody in here right now is not sure you're going to have a home forever in heaven, every head bowed, every eye closed, here's your time. Here's your time. Come on, I believe you're here for a reason. Everybody pray it out loud, dear Heavenly Father. I love you. Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And give me a home forever in heaven. Because you're the only way that I'm getting there in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Never mistake that. And guys, I was told this by somebody not long ago, that they bring people here to Fellowship Church and they belong to another church. But when they have lost family members in town and friends, they bring them to Fellowship Church because, quote, he said, Fellowship Church is a safe place for an unbeliever to go and learn about the plan of God for their life. And it should be. It should be. Here's the second thing. We are here for your personal spiritual growth. That's why we're here. Once you got saved, I mean, I can't, we can't do salvation messages every week. I mean, you, you, we can't just pray that perfectly. Now that you have a relationship with Christ, it's like a marriage. You came together and said, yes, I do. I got the ring on my hand, but you did not know her when you married her. And you did not know him when you married him. All you saw was our Facebook post and page. That's it. And we are all much cooler online than we are in person. <laughs> Am I right? So now the relationship begins where you begin to grow to know that individual. I mean, really know them after a period of time. And once we are saved, our job is to get to really know our God and what he wants for our life. Take a look at this up here on the side screen. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom, complete knowledge of his will. Wouldn't you love to have that? Father, should I apply for this job? What is your will? And you hear him speak deep into your, no, don't waste your time. Oh my gosh, are you saying that we can have, yes. As you get to know God and all of a sudden you're sensitive to what he's trying to tell you to do, man, you can, you can receive, you, you start hearing these, not his voice, strong impressions that he puts into your soul. So we, we, we grow so that we might have complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And that's, that's what his goal is. This one and only life that you have, you do it honoring and pleasing the Lord. And your lives will, and this is what's so good, it's going to be productive. Your marriage, your family, your work, everything you do, whatever these hands lay hold of, will produce every kind of what? Good fruit. Because they're bad stuff too. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. And that, that's what we're, we're trying to get you to know God better and better. 
so that you'll use that relationship in your relationships at school, at work. I mean, take a look at this next passage. This is so good. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Now, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and I have to. How many of you have been taught God's Word since you were a small child? Would you raise your hand? What a privilege and blessing that is. I, he says this, he said, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And at 12 years of age, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to be my Savior. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do uh, that which is right. We are here. What are we doing here? We're here for your personal spiritual growth. A couple of things. Number one, I hope you get to live a long time here. I do. I hope you do. And, and here's the thing. With couples like you guys, you know, you're young, your families are young. I mean, you just, it's a blur. 20s and 30s, total blur. At, at a young age, you might think, well, I got a long time here. You might, you might, you don't know. But this ain't home and you're not staying, so that can't be your goal. And then you look over here, here's Wilma over here. I love Wilma, oh, she's so sweet. Love Wilma Chandler over here. 30 years I've been with Wilma. Remember that time I said if I end, I, I, bet, my, I bet some people on the front row, I said I will end it right on the hour and, and, I'll be, and they laughed and I said I'll bet you $50. You remember that? Remember that? Anybody remember that? Okay, so after the service was over, they didn't pay up, but Wilma Chandler came to me, held out her hand, said, here, take this. And I said, really? She said, yeah, and, she, and I didn't know what it was, and I'm always afraid to do that with people I don't know, but I trust her, so she let her $50 bill in my hand from Wilma Chandler. And I said, Wilma, this is the sweetest thing in the world, but when I get to heaven one of these days and you're walking around in heaven, I'm going to walk over to you and I'm going to say this. Do you remember down at church out in the lobby when you gave me $50 to shut up early? Do you remember that? <laughs> you tried to be sweet, but I know what it was about. I hope you get to live a long time, but you have no guarantee. God said 70 years, 857 year average people lived on this earth before the flood, 857 then God said in Psalm 70, that's it, 80 if you're tough enough, 80 if you're tough. Now, that doesn't mean you can't live past 70, your days are numbered, and you just sit in a chair and die. No. You go on 70, 80. He's just saying, here's the standard. 70 is all you're getting. 80 if you're tough enough. That's right there in the Word. So my mom, she lived to be 88 years of age. When she was, when she was before she went to heaven, when she was 85, 86, I go down to Florida and I say, hey, let's go to the grocery store. Let's get you stocked up. Danny, and she always called me Danny, especially when she was mad at me. Danny, I don't feel like it today. Would you just go? I'll give you a list. I wrote something down. I can't read or write in any way. I said, no, mom, go to the grocery store with me. You can get one of those little buggies and ride it around and put stuff in. Then I'll take you to lunch. We'll go out and eat lunch together. Come on. My back hurts. My thighs hurt. My legs hurt. I, I, and I, and I'd, I'd always tell her, Betty White's still working. And she's like 140-something years old. I hope you get to stay here a long time, but there is no guarantee you're going to get to stay here. None. So your life's short, and it's going to go by very quickly. So you've got to be saved, and you've got to do this life 
with the whispers of God into your head. The Bible says the word of God is in the Bible. The Bible is not to just give you answers that are non-consequential to your life. The Bible is basic instruction before leaving earth. It tells you what you need to know to be able to have an eternity in heaven and the best marriage that you can have while you're here. The best relationships, being able to move forward and prosper when it comes to what God wants you to do in this life. Spiritual growth is because the life is short and you're gonna live it. You're gonna live it either this way or that way. And God says, tuck into me, spend time with me. So, and in doing so, one minute with God's presence and attention on your life will overwhelm a lifetime of you striving and trying to make a living. He's promised this in his word. And as you grow spiritually, it will not fix every problem that you have, but it will make every problem that you have better. Because as you grow spiritually, you know what you are, Stuart? You'll be a better husband. Have you not seen that in him since he, this, this is Stuart, everybody. This is the guy that had the mohawk that was up to here. <laughs> painted it purple on Rocky's day, painted it orange on Bronco's day. This is Stuart. And I know him as a man of God, right, right? It's not gonna take away all your problems. Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. You're gonna have trouble. Saved, born again, tucked into God. Your mind's not saved and neither is your body. You're gonna screw up. But he said in the middle of trouble, be of good cheer. Good cheer filled with happiness, when? In the middle of trouble. Get that snotty look off your face and be happy. Well, you don't know what's going on. I don't care what's going on in your life. Jesus said in the middle of it, be happy, be filled with joy, be optimistic, and be confident. Good cheer, happy, joy-filled, optimistic, confident. How do you do that? By just listening to what he said and do it. That's spiritual growth. And then here's the third one. We are here that you might have an opportunity to take part in his kingdom work. If you put my stuff first, God says this, I'll take care of your stuff. Or you go ahead and just try to take care of your stuff all on your own, Scooter. <laughs> take a look at this. Hi, I'm Chuck Poland. And I'm Lisa Poland. We started attending Fellowship Church back in 1994 when the church was over on 29 Road. And we found ourselves really taken in by the energy and the enthusiasm that we found in the worship and in the messages. I guess we just never looked back after that. About a year after we started attending, they announced from the platform that they were gonna start a band and they were looking for people to play piano. And I knew that God was calling me, even though I had never played in a band and I was terrified to play in front of people. So I started playing and I ended up loving it. And it's been amazing to me to watch our church grow from that time. And it's been a real blessing for me to be a part of that. The way I think that fellowship really changed my life is through the teaching of the pastors, God has shown me to live more by faith and not straight out of my head. I, I, I do that all the time. I, I'm in my head, and, uh, and it's really sh showing me to do that. I made a change 
in my 40s. I made a complete career change, and I don't think I would have ever been able to do that without the teaching of Pastor Hooper. And I've sat under uh, Pastor Tim in the spiritual warfare classes, which were amazing. I get to sit under uh, JL every week or nearly every week in 4640. And it's just been a really, a real blessing. And then Pastor Dan every week, it, it's awesome. And we just love the teaching and we love the worship. And that's kind of how it's changed my life personally. I also have to say we are extremely grateful for the children and youth ministry of this church because they gave us so much support as we were raising our kids here, teaching them how to love Jesus, how much Jesus loved them. They learned how to worship and they had fun coming. Um, they both were baptized in our church and they're both serving in ministry now. Jeremy is on staff with 4640 and plays guitar in the, in the 4640 band. And our son Michael is over in Fort Collins teaching Sunday school to the second to fifth graders. A few years ago, uh, Jeremy, our oldest, said, hey dad, we need some volunteers for 4640. And reluctantly, I did it, and I love it. I love working with the high school kids. Um, it's just such an incredible blessing, and I feel like I've really uh, developed some good friendships out of, out of those kids and the, and the blue team, the staff of 4640 as well. This is us. We are Fellowship Church. <laughs> yeah, all right, cool. We are here, listen to me to constantly help you to think bigger. Think bigger. Because we have a big God who's progressive and he wants you to progress. He does not want you tucked in playing it safe. He does not want you to do life average. Remember the story in the Old Testament where Moses sent out 12 spies, they went to the land, they came back and said, we can't go into that land, it devours the people to go into it. They're giants there. We are grasshoppers in our own sight, they said. We're grasshoppers in our own sight. And we're also grasshoppers in their sight. How do you know what you look like in somebody else's head? You don't know that, they made that up. How, based on their own perception of what they thought they were. You see, it does not matter. It is the consequential attitude, or a, a characteristic of what really matters in our life is not what other people think about you or how they see you. It isn't even how God sees you. It's how you see you. Because if God sees you one way and you don't believe it, it ain't going to help you. But if God sees you one way and you say, okay, I don't care what anybody else said about me, now I'm going to believe this about me based on what my, my creator said about me, then all of a sudden you step out and live, start living by what Chuck Poland said, by faith. Not tucked in playing it safe. Not, well, that's just what everybody else is doing and that seems to be the standard in the industry, so therefore I'll just fall in line with the standard. Are you kidding me? Jo it, was, it was Joshua and Caleb who said, let's go take it and let's take it now. Let's go do what they say cannot be done because we are God's children and it doesn't matter what that challenge looks like. What matters is us lining up with what God said for us to do. Now the children of Israel, this is a great story, I'll end with this. The children of Israel were taken out of Egypt. They'd been there for 400 years as slaves. So they were beat down in every way a person and a man and a woman could possibly be beat down. God said, I'm going to take you to Canaan. 
But the straight way to Canaan meant they would have to pass through the land of the Philistines. The land of the Philistines loved war and they were fighting, fighting warriors. These people, friends of God, these children of God were not warriors, they were slaves and still had an Egypt mentality even though they had come out of Egypt. There had not been enough time for them to change this. So what God said was, I'm going to take you around to a wilderness area and then take you in. And that's where they were when the story, the story I'm talking about, when they went in and finally said, it's now God's time for us to take in. Sometimes God will not take you from this place to your final destination because he knows that you are not ready for a battle. And watch this, some battles God knows in your life right now will make you backslide. I wish I did back in Egypt. This is too hard, this is too tough. So he'll take you to wilderness areas to work on you, what, your thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Take a look at this verse right here about the way that you think. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Well, I thought my boss ran my life. No, your thoughts. I thought my wife ran my life. Well, you're kind of right, but no, it's really your thoughts. (laughs) So God takes us on this journey to be able to change the way we think. Your salvation changed your destination. You're going to heaven, wonderful. But your life can look as miserable as it always has looked and so can your marriage and so can your money if you don't change the way you think about your marriage, about your money, and about your life. You can have a saved destination and you can have a lost life. And many Christians do, why? Because their mind hadn't been changed. What God did was he took the children of Israel, he took them from, he took them from uh, uh, Egypt, he's taken them to Canaan, and when, when he was doing that, he took them through a wilderness area, and a wilderness area, and very quickly, is kind of like a hub of an airport. If I'm trying to get from here to Portland, I can't fly straight from here to Portland. I have to take an airline that has a hub somewhere. So because the Bible is filled with metaphors, what I would do is I would, I would, I would go from where I'm at in order to get to Portland, which we'll call that Canaan, to a wilderness we'll call Denver. It could be Los Angeles too. It could be, let's just call it Denver. So I have to go to Denver in order to get to Portland. Am I right? Okay. Everybody on my plane is not going to Portland. I am. And maybe a few others. So what has to happen in the wilderness is some people have to get off my plane. Uh Uh-oh. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. They're just not going the same place I am. Well, they were friends since high school, that's fine. But there might come a time in our life that their destination and my destination is different. And if we both just hang on to each other here, we don't get to where God wanted us to go. So some people in a wilderness area of your life, the transitional area of your life, before you get to where you're going, some people have to get off. And that's okay. I know it's scary and lonely, but you know what else happens at that airport? Some other people get on that are going to Portland. And you go, look, at, look, look who got on. They're cool. Who got off? They were old and snarky. This is great. (laughs) So people sometimes have to get off at hubs, wilderness areas. And you know what else got to get off? Luggage. 
baggage. We can't keep going with this baggage in our life. There's some bags got to leave this plane for me to get to my final destination. I'm excited about your destination. I'm talking about your next one. I'm talking about this hurdle that you got to jump right now so that you could get to a blessed place that'll blow your mind. Because you cannot stop and you cannot stagnate and you cannot stay still. And either can we as a church, church family, because we serve a God who is progressive, who keeps going forward, who's 84 years old and still beats their senior, their, 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 their older pastor on the golf course. Because we keep going. Well, it's tough. It's hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to keep going. And there may need to be some people to jump off that plane. And there may need to be some baggage in your life that gets, off, gets out of your world. But you serve a God who moves his people forward for the rest of your life. 84. For the rest.